you beautiful bastards. Hope you've had a fantastic Wednesday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And a quick thing before we get started, just a friendly reminder that you now have only five days left if you want to snag something from our limited time only October drop, including the awesome refresh of our one day will all be skeletons line on a premium hoodie or a premium shirt, the fantastic Adams don't be stupid, stupid masks, and a number of other goodies. All available right now at shopdefranco.com. But with that said, welcome back to the show. Buckle up, hit that like button, otherwise it will punch you in the throat. And let's just jump into it. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is actually a batch of quickie news, starting with a story that I think will unfortunately result in people doing the opposite of what the headline is, which is do not Google the following 10 celebrities. The first being Jason Derulo. Yeah. Followed by Kate McKinnon, Julia Roberts, Jimmy Kimmel, Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake, Mariah Carey, Blake Lively, Sean Combs. And the number one celebrity you should not be searching is Anna Kendrick. And this, according to the security software firm McAfee, which just released this top 10 most dangerous list. And according to the firm's data, these stars have the highest number of links related to malware or other suspicious sites. Then we got the news this week that France has introduced a new law to protect young social media stars. According to the BBC, the legislation aims to regulate how many hours children under 16 can actually work on line as well as what happens to their earnings. It also establishes the right to be forgotten, meaning the platforms will have to take down content at the child's request. But to be clear here, the law does not affect all kids on social media, right? It's specifically targeted at those who spend a lot of time working online or those whose work generates income. So with this change, children in France are now offered the same protections that child models and actors would get in the country. With that also meaning that their earnings would be placed in bank accounts until they turn 16. On top of that, companies that want to hire these young stars must also get permission from local authorities. And you know, seeing laws like this getting passed, it, it's not the most shocking news. Some of the most successful people online are now under the age of 16. Hell, I mean, just last year, two of YouTube's highest earners were kids. Right at that time, reports said that eight-year-old Ryan of Ryan's World took the top spot with $26 million. And a then five-year-old earning the number three spot with $18 million. And in quickie everyday election news, we are now just 27 days away from election day. But of course, like I've been stressing, we are already in the election. People are already voting. In fact, starting today, if you are a resident of Arizona, you'll be able to show up in person to polling centers for early voting. Also there, if you applied for a mail-in ballot, those are beginning to be mailed out today. Also, in addition to Arizona today, yesterday we saw Indiana, New Mexico, and Ohio all opening up their polling locations for in-person early voting. Also, regarding mail-in ballots, this week several states have now begun the process of sending those out, including California, Delaware, Iowa, Maine, New Hampshire, Ohio, and South Carolina, with both Alaska and Montana starting to send out mail-in ballots later this week. Then, in election news, I'm going to share to shame you into voting if you're like, ah, what would my vote matter? I don't think I'm gonna. I would like to introduce you to 102-year-old B. Lumpkin. Lumpkin is a retired Chicago public school teacher. She has voted in every election since 1940. And despite the fact that we are still battling a pandemic, Lumpkin, who is easily in one of the highest risk categories, still made sure her vote was counted this year. Going out to the mail drop box to cast her vote while wearing gloves and a hazmat style hood. Lumpkin herself calling this the most important election of her life. Would be adding democracy is on the line. So two things, congratulations B, you are our BAMF of the day. And two, seriously, if you can get out to vote, vote. There, there's no excuse here. Don't get cocky. Don't get complacent. Act like the polls do not exist because the only way you get the result that you want is you put in the effort. Then let's talk about a sentence I, I never thought that I would say in other election news. Let's talk about Tana Mojo. We got a lot of requests for this story over the last week, but I wanted to see what would happen. So if you haven't seen, people were accusing Tana, who, you know, is very large on YouTube. She's very big now on OnlyFans. They were accusing her of engaging in electoral crimes. This because she launched the booty 
for Biden campaign, writing in a now deleted tweet, if you send me proof you voted for Biden, I'll send you a nude for free. Which got her a lot of different types of attention. You know, in an Instagram post that I cannot show the other half of because butts. She wrote booty for Biden, broke Tana uncensored. Love to see so many people who want change as badly as I do. And later posting a story saying she got thousands of messages saying I did vote and I voted for Biden. But the potential issue with all of this and what we've seen as far as the other reactions are people saying that Tana actually committed a crime. This because it is illegal to make or offer to make an expenditure to any person either to vote or withhold his vote or to vote for or against any candidate. And if found guilty of that crime, you could face a fine as well as face up to two years in prison. And as far as Tana's reaction and defense in this situation, we saw her tweet, it wasn't an electoral crime. And according to insider.com, they reportedly spoke with Tana. She said she was only being sarcastic when she offered nude photos in exchange for votes for Joe Biden. Reportedly saying, no, I was not campaigning illegally for votes. It really was just a funny thing to post and in every form people sent in, they were just being silly and sarcastic back. I'm not out here asking for ballots on OnlyFans because that would be illegal and weird. Which is a response you could take at face value, but also sounds a lot like, you know, if you like tell a girl that you like her and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And you're like, nah, I was just, I was just being sarcastic. I mean, that'd be crazy if I liked you. I mean, that's, I mean, it'd be crazy. So yeah, there is that story that really just leaves me wondering how applicable is, bro, I was just being sarcastic as a defense. Like as a legal defense, how successful would that be? Because like if she was a comedian, I get it, but a lot of the times that she's funny, it's not on purpose. That's kind of the nicest way I can say that. But yeah, that's a story as requested about Tana Mojo, who uh, if, if the last four years were any indication, maybe is the 52nd president of the United States. Anything's possible, almost all of it's disappointing, and uh, we'll see. Then let's talk about the unfortunate and troubling news that if you're someone that is needing and was hoping for coronavirus relief, that may not be coming soon. This, because as you may have already seen, Trump yesterday announced that he was ending negotiations, writing in a series of tweets that Nancy Pelosi was not negotiating in good faith, saying that he was rejecting the Democrats' request and adding, I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election when immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill that focuses on hardworking Americans and small business. With him saying that he asked Mitch McConnell to instead focus all his time approving Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court before going on to claim that the economy was doing well, that the stock market and job recoveries were at record levels and that the US is leading the world in economic recovery. Okay, so a lot to unpack there and we'll start with the announcement that Trump is ordering all negotiations to stop. Right, following that we saw a lot of people condemning the president, arguing that he was basically holding the stimulus package hostage. Others saying that he was basically bribing Americans to vote for him by saying vote for me and you'll get the stimulus bill next month. But if you don't, you won't get help until next year. Also in response to this, we saw Nancy Pelosi, who of course is one of the main people leading negotiations on the stimulus, saying in a statement, today, once again, President Trump showed his true colors, putting himself first at the expense of the country with the full complicity of the GOP members of Congress. And adding he refuses to put money in workers' pockets unless his name is printed on the check. Joe Biden also hitting similar points in a statement on his campaign page saying, make no mistake, if you are out of work, if your business is closed, if your child's school is shut down, if you are seeing layoffs in your community, Donald Trump decided today that none of that, none of it, matters to him. You also had Elizabeth Warren tweeting, in the middle of the worst pandemic in a century, Trump won't help people get the relief they need, but he will ram through an illegitimate Supreme Court nominee to rip away Americans' health care. So much for the art of the deal, this is despicable. Also, with this announcement from Trump, there, there was confusion as to why he would even do it. Are you had people like 538 founder Nate Silver hitting on this, saying, wait, so Trump not only rejects stimulus funds that would probably have helped his reelection chances, but also does so in a way to make sure that he personally will take blame for it? And you look around, you see 
statements like the timing of Trump's sudden move perplexed Republicans since there was little downside politically to allowing the talks to continue to play out. Now they fear that Trump's decision will make it easier for Democrats to pit the blame squarely on the White House. Right? And that's probably why we saw a handful of Republicans speaking out against Trump for ending negotiations. These people like Senator Susan Collins, who, yes, take it as you will, <laughs> called the move a huge mistake. It Representative John Katko tweeting, I disagree with the president. With lives at stake, we cannot afford to stop negotiations on a relief package. The Problem Solvers Caucus has a proposal that both sides agreed on and can bring negotiations back to the table. I strongly urge the president to rethink this move. Lindsey Graham also encouraging his colleagues and Trump to look at the same bipartisan package. Though, of course, with all that, there were plenty of Republicans defending the move. Right, the likes of Mitch McConnell, House Minority Whip, Steve Scalise. Also, as far as reactions, we look to the stock market. Trump's tweets appear to send the stock market down. It was looking like a pretty good day, and then, ooh, not so much. Though, we did see it rebounding today. This appearing to be because after all the backlash and the stocks diving, we saw Trump taking to Twitter late last night to sort of backtrack his earlier announcement. Right, just hours after saying that he was ending all stimulus talks, it appeared that he was reversing course. With him tweeting, the House and Senate should immediately approve $25 billion for airline payroll support and $135 billion for Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses. Both of these will be fully paid for with unused funds from the CARES Act. Have this money, I will sign now. And adding, if I am sent a standalone bill for stimulus checks, they will go out to our great people immediately. I am ready to sign right now. Are you listening, Nancy? Right, so all of a sudden you have all this confusion, and then this morning we see Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, going on Fox News, saying that negotiations on a stimulus package were indeed dead, but also adding that he and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin were in talks about smaller bills. And in that statement saying, hopefully we can convince Speaker Pelosi to do something on a standalone basis, which, I mean, very notably, while speaking to reporters, a spokesperson for Pelosi said that Mnuchin asked for a standalone airline bill in a call with the Speaker this morning. But also in that call, Pelosi reminding the Secretary that Democrats had actually tried to push through an airline payroll bill on the House floor via unanimous consent last week, but the Republicans there actually rejected it. But also, as far as if smaller stuff will get approved, I mean, that remains to be seen. Right? I mean, one of the arguments against it is you don't want to do just a little bit here, a little bit there. You need a full package if you actually want to save the market and save the economy, save jobs. And I mean, there is reason for concern. I mean, you have the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, painting a very grim picture of where the economy is headed, urging Congress to pass and the White House to approve more stimulus packages, warning that a failure to do so could result in dire consequences, saying too little support would lead to a weak recovery, creating unnecessary hardship for households and businesses. Over time, household insolvencies and business bankruptcies would rise, harming the productive capacity of the economy and holding back wage growth. By contrast, the risks of overdoing it seem for now to be smaller. Right, but despite that, Trump still claimed that the big stimulus package was not needed because the economy was doing well, the stock market and jobs are coming back at record levels. But to note there, many experts, including some of Trump's own advisors, have said the economy is not doing well and needs help. Also, beyond that, it just needs to kind of be an understood that it is false to say that because the stock market is doing well, that reflects the health of the economy. They are not one and the same, but regardless, it is simply not true that stocks are at record levels. And meanwhile, there are other much more more accurate and predictive economic markers that experts are worried about, including some of the ones that Trump mentioned in his tweets. Right, while unemployment has gone down since its peak in April, it is still at 7.9%. And a key thing here is that the country has only recovered barely half of the jobs that were lost in March and April. And at the same time, we have many worried that the job losses that we are seeing, a lot of them are permanent. And then you pair that with predictions from experts about coronavirus spikes this fall and winter, there are a number of reasons to think that this situation may get worse, so why not go big? Which is incredibly significant when paired with Powell's argument 
argument, right? If the economy is already doing bad, putting more money into it will likely do more good than bad. But if funds are not injected into the economy soon, it is at risk of stalling or even backsliding. But yeah, ultimately that is where we are with this story now. We'll obviously have our eyes on it. And of course with it, I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts about Donald Trump openly killing negotiations for coronavirus relief? Also, what are your thoughts about his other proposals hours later that were obviously much smaller? And that is where I'm going to end today's show. As always, thank you for being a part of these daily dives into the news, especially during these divisive times. Also, if you're new here, you want more videos from my annoying face, hit that subscribe button. Also, I always recommend you text me at 813-213-4423. Get notifications, behind the scenes, some cool experiences. But with that said, of course, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.